Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. With NFL playoffs here and the NBA in full swing, Bet Online has you covered with all the up to the second odds, news, and scores. With additional odds, lines, trends, and info on both desktop and mobile devices, you can access the world's best wagering information anytime. Head there today to get into the action and see all the updated odds. Remember to use promo code BELIEVE to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Believe in OK State podcast. I am Megan Robinson, joined again by Justin Southwell and Eve Batoba. Guys, college football offseason has been pretty crazy the last few weeks. However, this year, it doesn't really involve Oklahoma State, which is just like yeah. amazing. I love this for us so much. Yeah, yeah. It, it's fun to see everybody else scrambling around, trying to see what's going to happen with their coaches and everybody's hiring coaches and firing coaches and dealing with all that transfer portal drama. And I'm just over here sitting back like, yeah, yeah. I remember when we went through that. You know, whenever our defensive coordinator was getting hired away into the Big Ten conference and people were picking or were firing our offensive coordinators. And here we are just keeping consistency this year. It is nice. It's a nice luxury to have, especially today, like guys being able to jump right into the transfer portal if your head coach leaves and it just causes mass chaos. And hopefully Oklahoma State Will not have to go through that. Just depends on how things shake out over the next few years with, you know, NIL, collectives, transfer portal rules, contracts potentially, and how that all shakes out. But I would like to think that based on the success that Coach Gundy has had and that job security, there's hopefully a better plan of succession. But we're not even really seeing that with Alabama. It's like the greatest yeah. coach of all time just left and just disastrous. Know, everything is kind of on fire for a couple of days. Well, Alabama was in a precarious situation because of how far they got into the postseason. And whenever Nick Saban actually yep. announced that he was retiring, it was so late that there really wasn't much that they could do. Right. And then 21 players hit the transfer portal like within a few days, which was ridiculous. But I think at, hopefully all of this news allows the OSU collectives, the OSU donors, the OSU boosters to say, okay, let's make sure that all of our stuff is in order, right? All of our uh, P's and Q's are in order so that whenever that time does come, not if, but whenever that time does come, we have that proper succession plan. But I was also thinking about this today, guys. I'm like, I feel like a decade from now, we're going to look back at this time that we're in and we're going to look at all of these fans that are giving their hard earned money to these NIL collectives, like, for example, at Ohio State, when ADs, coaches, TV, television companies are, are, are not really, you know, contributing to this, that are worth millions and millions of dollars. But we're relying on all these other dollars to, you know, to come in and, and make something happen for these athletes. So we're going to look back at it and just be like, yeah, that was kind of ridiculous. That was kind of insane. But, you know, we're, we're figuring it all out as we go. 
Yeah. Well, a lot of these coaching changes happened, you know, last week, the week prior. However, we were talking to the GOAT, Justin Blackman, last week. So coaching news got put on the back burner. We have a, a long off season to get through and things to discuss. So we're just going to start talking about some of the, the high caliber coaching changes now. Eve, you mentioned it. Nick Saban announced his retirement shortly. I think it was, what, January 10th? So about two weeks ago that he announced that he was retiring the Wednesday after the national championship. I can't keep my days straight, but I think that was the 10th replaced by Kalen DeBoer from DeBoer, sorry, from Washington. He went 25 and three in his two seasons at Washington. And then Jed Fish left Arizona to replace DeBoer at Washington. Fish 10 and three this season, including a bowl win over OU. So Jed Fish will always have a special place in the heart's of cowboy fans for sure. But honestly, I don't hate, I don't hate that fish went on to Washington because Arizona was a front runner in the big 12, the way too early 2024 big 12 predictions next season. Yeah. I just made the connection. I think Washington likes to hire coaches of teams where they just beat OU in a bowl game <laughs> because I just remember Chris Peterson at Boise state beat OU in the Fiesta bowl gets hired a little bit later at Washington has a good run. I love Chris Peterson, man. Like I wish he were still coaching, but, um, and it, that love for him started because of that game. Like, it was just like, thank you. Thank you, sir. Did he end up retiring or what, what, what happened? I know he does broadcast now, but what was the yeah. situation at Washington? Did he just yeah, say I like, think he just, I think he just decided to step away, like no. kind of the landscape of college football. And it was less crazy back then. Right. I can understand why some people might want to, take a step back from all oh, the absolutely. chaos that's going on right now. Absolutely. absolutely. Props to the guys that are sticking it out. Uh, you know, guys like Jed fish who are having a meteoric rise in the midst of this and yeah. being able to go from Arizona to Washington, who just played in the national championship. What a huge deal. Yeah. Great for him. And I tell you what, whenever the season ended, we were projecting into the future and thinking about the 2024, 2025 season and just saying to ourselves, okay, where's Oklahoma state going to rank possibly, you know, we should be the top dog, but you know, if there was somebody else that we would have to compete with, would it be in Arizona? So the fact that, uh, you know, they went and hired somebody from San Jose state who had a losing record, by the way, while he was there, Makes me feel pretty good. I like I like our odds against Arizona going into 2024. Just I mean, hey, I know it's really early. Don't talk too much trash because we know what happened whenever you <laughs> did that last year with UCF. Facts. Granted, we don't have Arizona on the regular season schedule, so we might be in the clear for a little while. Right. Well, yeah. thank you. Keep you in check, man. Like, hey, crazy things happen. You're right. Yeah, got to hone it in a little bit. Hone it in. <laughs> Learned our lesson. I have nothing against Arizona. Uh, but, you know, you might be wondering, why are we talking about Kalen DeBoer and Nick Saban? Well, guys, we're talking about it because we have Mike Gundy, who will be entering his 20th season in Stillwater as the head coach. He is the second longest tenured head coach in college football behind Iowa's Kirk Ferentz. He's first in the Big 12. The third longest coach in college, third longest tenured head coach in college football is Kyle Whittingham. And he will be joining the Big 12 this season as Utah joins the conference and we host wow. Utah. So that's going to be, I'm excited for that coaching matchup. Whittingham and Gandhi, two, you know, I think 
I think uh, uh, Whittingham's at 18 or 19 and Gundy's going on 20. We're talking about, Eve, you mentioned recruiting. We're going to get more into that a little bit later. But what does having a consistency at the head coach position do for your program overall and not just recruiting? <laughs> it's it, it's hard to say, honestly. It, it really is hard to say for the simple fact that it doesn't seem like there's much loyalty in, in college football anymore. And maybe that's just from a recruiting front. But, you know, I think whenever the the donors, the boosters see the same face, um, you know, whenever they can, you know, I mean, golly, it's in our song, loyal and true, right? Every you'll find us loyal and true. So whenever there's that type of loyalty and that consistency year over year, I think maybe it provides some type of, okay, well, at least we know what we're getting ourselves into, um, which to be honest with you, I'm not quite sure if that's a, a good, bad, or uh, indifferent. Yeah, I mean, I can see, I can see it kind of both ways. Eve. There are some positives, but there are some negatives. I think uh, even Gundy has recognized this. Uh, I think maybe talking with Coach Stoops when he was at OU for so long, it's like you know, after about ten years, people typically will move on because you get too comfortable, and there's the aspect of, I don't know, complacency and among other things, but you know, you just, you power through it. You, if you're you know, an alum of Oklahoma state, you love it. Why leave? And I'm glad he has decided to stay. I think that with the consistency and with the, um, just the dedication, I guess that he has to Oklahoma state, it's nice knowing that we don't have to worry about, you know, who's 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 going to want to take this job next? Who's going to be the next guy? We have a sense of stability, and Mike Gundy has been able to provide that. I mean, I was just talking to a guy the other day. He was like, "Hey, you played football at OSU. I saw your you know picture on IG or whatever. Who was the coach for you back then?" I was like, "Mike Gundy." Yeah, I, I get like, that oh, question yeah. all the time. Hey, who was your head coach? Same guy that's there. Yeah, so that's pretty cool. Like, it's it's nice to be able to say that to man. Look what he's done over that time. And, uh, it's more impressive the longer it goes on, right? Like we're coming up on 13, 14 years since we played and he's still there, you know, 20 years. Well, one thing that you said South is, you know, whenever the coach leaves, you don't have to worry about who's going to be next, who has to take the helm. But I think that it's only a worry if you're unprepared. I mean, you, you are going into over, you know, two decades now. And whenever you're hitting that point, you have to think that uh, Chad Weiberg, the athletic director, has maybe a list of possible replacements, right? Like you have to have some type of contingency plan. And uh, it can't just be, you know, promoting the assistant coach or whoever else. But you you have to have like, hey, here are our top uh, five targets. And if it's not these targets, here are the five most likely people that we can bring on. And hopefully it's not somebody like a coach from a San Jose state that has a losing record. <laughs> Yeah, uh, that is true. I think, though, um, maybe the reason why it is so uh, special, I guess, of, of what Coach Gunny has done is, yeah, the program stability aspect of it. But, and I, I just wish, I wish it were better with recruiting. And I'll, obviously, what I mean by that is just, I feel like at 15, 20 years, shouldn't you be getting, a higher caliber of athlete in every recruiting class based on the success that you've had. And I think that 
for whatever reason, we've kind of shied away from that. And um, now there's something to be said about player development, being there long-term and being able to develop those players. But as we're seeing in the modern era of college football, you might be developing a player who goes on to play for Washington in the national championship. And he was one of your best corners. And you know, what can you do? And it's like, you just don't know, like you can't shortchange him. You want him to be the best player he can be, but the players don't share the same level of loyalty as some of the coaches. And you know, that stinks. Now I will say this year has been completely different from last year. Tons of loyalty. It seems like they had the opportunity to jump in the portal. And a lot of guys are stay, they're sticking around for five, six, sometimes seven years. So yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah, players out there getting the doctorate degrees. But I will say, hey, South, I think that speaks to what you said earlier about that complacency, right? You know, the longer tenured, there tends to be some complacency that seeps in. And I think that last season was a nice shock to the system. It allowed, you know, Gundy to say, like, okay, I can't just say, hey, we're not we're not messing with the transfer reporter. Or there's certain things publicly that I can't say. Even dating back to 2020 when the whole thing with the T-shirt happened, it's like, okay, well, I can't just be all the way comfortable to think that this is not going to affect how my recruits are going to view me. Because I know for a fact that uh, different different schools within the conference that recruited against us used that against us during that recruiting circuit. So uh, all of these things, right? Like that, that plays a huge part is the complacency. So, you know, even though I'm, you know, I'm, I'm glad Gundy's there. I still, you know, look, look forward sometimes and think to myself, well, you know, hopefully, you know, if there was somebody else that would come into the program, I'd want to see a change of pace as far as uh, some fire, and somebody that's pro- you know probably younger. Uh, it seems like that seems to be a a pretty good trend. If it's a you know whether it's an offensive or a defensive guru, genius, mastermind, as Gundy was whenever he came in as a head coach. But at the same time, it's like Gundy has built up. He has this massive foundation. Oh, it's a gamble. Which he's built on, and he's built this program identity. We talk about cowboy culture all the time. And if you bring another guy in he may not have that. He may not value that as much. And maybe he likes recruiting the higher stars and it would have to be, it doesn't work out the same. It's just, yeah, it's a, it is a gamble. It would have to be a Chris Peterson to Kalen DeBoer type of transition. Mm -hmm. Probably. So there, there was, was there someone, there was someone in between them though, wasn't there? Cause I'm not sure. Peterson Um, left in 2019 so and DeBoer's been there two seasons. So there was someone. There was someone between them. Yeah, yeah. Who knows what happened during them, COVID? Yeah. <laughs> those those years don't count. Those are those are a blur. Um, but but I mean, even look at uh, what happened at Oregon, right? Like they have Dan Lanning now, but mm-hmm. before they had Dan Lanning, they had Ma- what's my man's that name? Manny what, Diaz. Mario Cristobal. Oh, that's it. Yeah, I don't know why. Yeah, so Mario Cristobal was there uh, before that. I think Willie Taggart for a cup of tea. Um, so, you know, it was an, it was a, you know, a, a, not a tumultuous transition, right? There was one year with Willie Taggart that was like, and eh, that's not really working out. But, you know, Mario Cristobal is able to come in and, you know, you saw the whole thing that happened with University of Miami. He leaves for there. But then, boom, Dan Landing is able to come back in and kind of pick up where it left off. So it's possible. It just has to be the perfect fit. Yeah. Jimmy Lake uh, coached the Huskies from 2020 to 2021. He was their defensive coordinator and replaced uh, 
Peterson. So that's that's who that was. And now he is currently with the Rams, the L.A. Rams, as an assistant head coach. So there was speaking of Rams, Zach Robinson was good. <laughs> what, what you, what you going to do? Zach, you going to come and be offensive coordinator? What's the deal? But so so as a, a Patriots fan, I'm, I'm going through this right now where you have Bill Belichick, who's there for 24 years, you know, face of a franchise. And now he is no more. And Bill, I will always I will always love you. And then they have Gerard Mayo step in as the head coach, the youngest current head coach in the NFL. And last season, I think going into 23, people were interested in Mayo as a as a head coach and the Patriots signed him to an extension as an assistant head coach, linebackers coach, with the idea that he'd be the coach in waiting, um, knowing that when Belichick's time comes, which we all thought would be after next season, that Mayo would step up, came a little early, Mayo's the next guy. So you're talking about Gundy, building the cowboy culture, whether it's in a year or whether it's in 10 years, he will not be the coach here forever. You know what I'm saying? Like Gundy is not going, this program is not going to be under Gundy's reign forever. Again, whether he's with us another season, whether he shocks everybody and retires after, you know, if we win the national championship next year, like I'm predicting, and he just sails off into the sunset, more like rides off into the sunset because we're in Oklahoma and there's no water around. Um, But yeah, so I guess, you know, Eve, you said if Chad Weiberg has a list of people, you know, the Patriots, you see it in other, in other sports and other programs. Hey, we're going to hire the assistant head coach, AKA the coach in waiting. Is there anyone currently on our staff that you could see fit that role? And if so, who? No. Yeah, no way. I don't want, yeah. I mean, look, we'll see what Brian Nardo turns into, but as far as uh, right now, I'm good. I'd rather get some uh, some some fresh blood. Because honestly, whenever there's somebody who is that good, they're getting hired away anyway, right? So I mean, like I wouldn't even be opposed to bringing Jim Knowles back as a head coach. But you already know who's number one on my list, and I say it all the time: Todd Munkin. Don't take any head coaching jobs anywhere else. You just stay as the offensive coordinator right there in Baltimore. You go ahead and win that Super Bowl, and we will keep this seat warm for you in Stillwater, Oklahoma, until you are ready to be the head coach. Yeah, I'm not going to say anything about his age, but I know he, <laughs> I you know, take, hey, he's got he the fire. The he's got the fire, so he, he can do it. Coach. Yeah, uh, Munkin would be. Yeah. And he's a program builder. You saw you saw how quickly he was able to turn around turn it around over at uh Southern Miss whenever yeah. he went to Southern Miss. I mean, Southern Miss was stinking it up. And then they came in, boom, back to back, nine wins, nine wins, ten wins, whatever. And then uh, you know, he was a great offensive coordinator for the Bucks, went down to Georgia, uh, yeah. did his thing, won back to back. Uh, you're, you were just mentioning young guys earlier, you know. Yeah, you know, well, you know, young fire and all this stuff. And I, he's young at heart. Yeah, yeah, it's true. So let's say that Mike Gundy pulls the stoops, okay, and just next year retires. Say I'm good, moving on. You know, I want to go watch watch Gunner in his seventh season, wherever he ends up, because we know he's not going to the other OU up in Ohio anymore. Who would you realistically, realistically, let's say Munkin? I know you just said said Munkin, but within the college football world, realistically. Who would you want to be the new head coach? Yeah, I think honestly, you'd have to just go and figure out like who's the who's the hottest like up and coming you know coordinator that's that's in the game. I think that's probably the route that I would go. 
if they're a good leader, right? A good leader and they know how to galvanize the community as well. But um, I like I like going about it that way. Yeah, I, I kind of agree with you, Eve. I think that a lot of fans get caught up in thinking that somebody has to have ties to Oklahoma State. Uh, if they don't, they're going to just use this job as a stepping stool and, you know, they'll just go on to some bigger and better college after the fact. So um, I don't necessarily think that's the case that you have to have somebody that's an OSU alum. And I like the idea of going and getting, you know, one of the bigger coordinator names or whatever. Um, but it's, I don't know how crazy this would be, but I know we just talked about Kalen DeBoer going to Alabama those fans are crazy, and they're not going to give him any kind of timeline. They're probably just going to run him right out of town. And you know what? Hey, if the timing's right, there's no reason to just toss him to the side of the road. Come on, come over here, Stillwater, man. We saw what you did in Washington. We're, we're not going to take yeah. that as a fluke. Um, it's just that you got some crazy fans over in Tuscaloosa that expect some Saban-esque re uh, reincarnation or something. So. No, I don't, I don't know how realistic that would be, but that would kind of be a, a little bit of a dream, I guess, because, man, yeah. like just the fact that everything that he did in those couple of seasons at Washington, Meg just mentioned his re record. He only lost three games. And yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I will say, man, there's – so one of the things that I really, really admire about what Kalen DeBoer has done is he hired a GM. Uh, and we've talked about it in previous episodes, but it is one of the rising roles in the college football space for a team to have a general manager. This is somebody that smart. Uh, can bring in you know, money from donors, from boosters, from collectives. This is somebody that evaluates talent and somebody that can, which is, this sounds so weird, negotiate with 18-year-olds when it comes to bringing them on the roster. There is a guy. Uh, on Kalen DeBoer's staff. He brought him over to uh, Washington, and now he's bringing him over to uh, Alabama as well. His name is Courtney Morgan, general manager. And before he brought him over to Washington, Courtney Morgan was the general manager over at uh, Michigan. So Michigan won the national championship with the roster that Courtney Morgan put together. And then Courtney leaves, goes over to Washington. They win a natty and you saw how great their recruiting was and the people that they were, the players that they were able to develop. So now, boom, he's going over to the SEC with, uh, uh, with Kalen DeBoer in Alabama to be the general manager over there. I think that's one of the key things right there. I mean, I know we have our recruiting coordinator, but having a GM that truly understands the current landscape of college athletics is one of the most critical roles that we can have. So whoever it would be as the next head coach of Oklahoma state, I just hope that it's somebody that fully embraces the current state of college football, whether it's next year or 10 years from now, whatever the current state is going to look like and knows how to navigate it in a way that can build a roster quickly and efficiently. I would like to nominate um, Eve Patoba for the role of Oklahoma state football GM. <laughs> No, thanks. Hey. <laughs> Revisit this um, in 10 years and we have a new head football coach. We'll we'll circle back, Eve. I don't need an answer right now. Just as long as Coach it. Glass, if Coach Glass is still the strength and conditioning coach, I will strongly consider it. All right. Well, well, we'll have to negotiate some things. I don't know what his plans are or anything like that. But uh, if I'm going to be on the playoff committee, I would like you to be a GM. I bet. You know what? We, hey, I'm only doing it if we're on the same ticket. All right. Perfect.
perfect. It's a exactly. two for one deal in different realms, but it's different fine. realms, but it'll it's work. Fine. Totally fine. We yeah. can rig it. We can we can get OK State in the playoffs. We'll find a way. Justin, and you can just be Justin Williams's uniform assistant. We'll get you in that way. <laughs> <laughs> I might uh, drive Justin crazy. I don't know if he would have me on staff long enough. You know, like, I'm over up. here making suggestions. It's like, just leave me alone. It's perfect as is. You know, um, I'm just trying to add value, Justin. I swear, <laughs> get out of here. You know, all right. Yeah, you got to oversee uniforms for like the entire conference or something. I'll find something. <laughs> Eve, you mentioned this earlier in the show, though, the impact that coaching changes have on recruiting. You said 21 players have entered the portal for Alabama since Saban announced his retirement. And I saw an article. I couldn't I, I saw it briefly on like Twitter or something, and I couldn't find it to read all of it. But it discussed how Saban's late announcement affects the the landing spot for some players because they join the portal late. So, you know, if you are an offensive lineman joining the portal, how many schools really need an offensive lineman because they picked other guys up during that early window? So what rules or how would you how would you change things to help the players who are impacted by a late coaching change like we saw at Alabama? Like I I wouldn't change anything. I'm, I'm just saying like you pick a school, you don't necessarily pick a coach. And I still believe that. Um, I know that we just talked about Saban and Gundy and legacies and all that stuff, but you, when you get on campus, you're not tied to tied to the hip of that coach. Like you plant yourself there. You embrace that culture. You make friends at that program. You go to class with people at that university you fall in love with a girl at that university or whatever you know you don't have to oh my coach is leaving I, I guess i better leave too or my coach is retiring i guess i i guess since coach saban is retiring i need to just leave i need to pick up everything and leave and go somewhere else i don't believe that at all uh, i think that the, for the people that went to alabama and they fell in love with alabama and the process and everything there and they choose to stay good for them like just because your coach leaves, that doesn't mean you have to leave. So I've been given this advice in the past, right? It says whenever you are choosing for whenever you're selecting your next opportunity, especially in your career, you don't choose just the company. Um, you don't choose just the paycheck. You choose great leadership. If you're going to choose anything, choose great leadership, even over a great company brand. Right. So what happens then, Justin, if I chose Alabama? And I love the culture, but then the coach leaves and then a new coach comes in and he's just a terrible leader and I don't buy into him. Oh, is Kalen DeBoer out. a terrible leader? I'm not talking After, about Kalen DeBoer. Oh, oh, I think I'm we are. I'm not talking though. about Kalen DeBoer. We are. I think we are. Okay. Well, because that's I'll, what Alabama can afford to do based on the culture that they have been able to build because of Nick Saban that allows them to be able to do that. Right. This is this is kind of the reverse of what Justin's saying from bad culture to good. And it is an NFL example. So forgive me, but it was the most obvious one I could think of off the top of my head. You look at the Raiders with Josh McDaniels, you know, he like destroyed that franchise and then they bring in Antonio Pierce and he completely changes the locker room, the culture, there was talks of Harbaugh maybe going to Vegas after this season. And then, you know, enough players kind of spoke up and they hired Antonio Pierce and he completely changed the culture. Now reverse that. Let's say Antonio Pierce was the coach, went, you know, one in five, they fire him and they bring in Josh McDaniels, who 
tears the culture down. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, I just, I see your point, Justin, but if I'm, if I am going and I'm like, I'm going to Oklahoma state, I had offers from Oklahoma state, Baylor, TCU, tech, whatever, but I want to play for Mike Gundy. And then Mike Gundy announces he's retiring. And that's why I went to that school because he convinced me that he was going to be there. Then I might, I might withdraw my letter of intent, or I might decide, Hey, y'all are soft. Y'all are soft. You've been there I mean, for one, two, three years, and you can't finish it out. You can't finish what you committed to. Yeah, Soft. if there's a better opportunity elsewhere, I'm taking that. So you're telling me that Joe Burrow should have just stuck it out at Ohio State instead of going to LSU and putting together the best college football season ever and being drafted number one overall? I mean, we're going to cherry pick all these different examples. He could yeah, I mean, Ohio, he could have stayed at Ohio State and won a national championship there. I don't know. He was third on the depth chart, bro. Come on, what are we I mean, talking like about? CJ Stroud. Joe Burrow would have been able to figure it out. He would have been able to start. Okay. I mean, Justin, he I won see. a national championship with LSU. You think he's going to be a third string quarterback for his entire that was, career? That was the projection. On, he had man. one season left. I see your point, Justin. I do. And I think that it's very much a case by case. Justin Fields, case. he would have been behind Stetson Bennett. He would have never we we would have never seen him get to play. He and he right. would have never been a first round pick. If Justin Fields wasn't starting in Todd Munkin's offense, then Todd Munkin should have been fired. Like he would have definitely started, and they easily would have won national championships with Justin Fields at quarterback. I mean, look, there are countless examples of this. I think the biggest thing is honestly, Megan. I would keep it exactly how it is because they still have the opportunity later on to transfer. Uh, Fair. Yeah. So you know, there's there's Fair. a couple different you know transfer portal transfer portal openings like wait till the spring window you're saying yeah yeah the different window so you know you keep it as is you kind of give it a trial run you see like okay do i really vibe with this guy and do i have you know a good opportunity over here and if i don't and i have good advice and i think that i can go and you know get production elsewhere go and get production elsewhere i'm not opposed to it and like justin i have played for like toxic coaches who were awful and as soon as they got fired everything changed. And it was like, you know, you're on the border of like, do I even want to do this anymore? This, this is awful. And then you get a new coach. And you're like, wow. Yeah. Those, I, I'm sorry. That's a totally different situation because 21 players jumping in the portal because Nick Saban retires. It is not because it was a culture environment uh, or, or a toxic environment. And I know for a fact that Kalen DeBoer is not going to come in there and make it that way. Right. And so I mean, they're I, not I, even giving him a chance. They're just jumping in the portal for money or whatever the case is and good for them. They can do that, but I'm not going to bend over backwards to make sure that they have an extra window of opportunity somewhere else down the line because of a certain situation. Like, I'm sorry, you've already got enough power now that you've never had before. So I don't know why we're just like trying to make everything like in their favor. All, all of a sudden the pendulum's going to swing back a little bit to the middle. It has to. Because the way things are going, coaches aren't going to have any power. They're not going to be able to build a roster. They're not going to be able to develop these players. People are just jumping in portals for whatever reason. And where does it end? Like, we're not going to have college football if we keep it up. I And I, I see everything that you're saying, and I get it. And I know that the the, the Nick Saban, Kalen DeVore situation is very, very specific because you have one of the greatest, if not the greatest, college football coach of all time being replaced by DeVore, who 
25 and three led his team to a national championship. I mean, I think that that's a great hire there on paper. We'll see how it actually plays out going from the PAC 12 to the sec. That being said, some, one of you, I think it might've been just an earlier, like earlier in this episode mentioned like the loyalty of players and uh, you know, there's no loyalty anymore, but I, I think that there's, and I, I, I see that to an extent we've talked about this last year um, extensively with players just up and leaving because they're not getting a chance and they just quit too quickly and just hop in the portal because they can. But I do think we should put some responsibility on coaches because you talk about loyalty and I've literally sat in a coach's office, not at Oklahoma state at another university. I've literally sat in a coach's office and listened to them call their recruits tell them they're so excited to get them here. They love them. They can't wait to have them a part of their family. And then the second they have a good season, they leave for a bigger university. And I think that that's kind of sucky to sit there and like get people there. And they're like, well, and I get it. Take the bigger opportunity. If I got offered a bigger opportunity, I would take it too. I'm not saying that, but let's stop acting like coaches are the most loyal people in college football because they jump the second something bigger comes along as well. Yeah, I mean, I'm definitely not. I'm not saying that they're the most loyal by any means, but I mean, just my my biggest issue right now, if we're sticking with the Alabama thing, is 21 players aren't even giving Coach Dubois a chance. They're just like, meh. I, if I can't play for Saban, I'm going to go play for some other guy, um, wherever that opportunity is, instead of committing, sticking with Alabama for. I'm sure these fans absolutely adore these kids in the same way that our fans love Oklahoma state players. Well, and I, I just I don't, don't agree with that, that. I don't know if that's necessarily even fair to say, because I think a large portion of these players that entered that transfer portal were also guys who were further down the depth chart. So you have a lot of second, third string guys. So it's not even so much that they're not giving Kalen DeBoer a chance as much as it is, you know, some of them were going to transfer anyway. And they were going to transfer because it was a playing opportunity at Iowa or a playing opportunity at TCU or wherever else, you know, Georgia. Caleb Downs was a really surprising one. The number one freshman safety in the country leaving and then going over to Ohio State. That one shocked me. But, um, you know, that, that's a rare example. But I think the rest of them was like, yeah, I mean, you were probably going to have half of those that were going to transfer regardless. And the other half, it's like, OK, well, I don't get to get coached by the GOAT. Maybe I can get coached by whoever I view as the second goat or the goat in the game right now. Or if I'm not going to get coached by the goat, even as a third stringer, I'm going to go somewhere where I can play. Maybe. I mean, I've just seen, we've already seen it where people just, they think that and then they get in the portal and they land somewhere else and then they don't play or they have a worse season or they don't even get picked up somewhere. That is their prerogative. And I am for people making decisions for themselves. The one thing that I don't want to protect guys at all. You don't want to protect the players from making bad decisions from time to time? Yeah, of course. But I don't know if I'm protecting them. That's their prerogative. And I think part of growing up, part of being an adult, is actually learning from the bad decisions that you make. So if you're going to go and you're going to make a bad decision, then you have to face the repercussions from that. The one thing that I would change about the portal, though, is I would not have the window open when it does. I would have it shift down to later because then you have all the bowl opt-outs and people not playing in their bowl games because they're going to transfer and this, that, and the other. And it's like all this portal's happening where we still have three weeks of college football left. Why don't we open the portal 
the last week of the se- you know, the day of the college football playoff or new, you know, New Year's Day with the New Year's Six Bowls. Okay, the portals open this day, and then we'll go to January 17th or whatever they want to do. That's how I would change it. I guess they're just doing that because of class. You know, people got to get enrolled for the spring semester or whatever, but I don't know. We didn't come here for school. So that's true. That's a good point. Can't forget the academic factor of it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess that makes sense. However, <laughs> no, it. I mean, it, yeah. it, it makes sense. And that's why I think that we shouldn't have this three week gap between the end of this regular season and the bowl season. Just stack it. Fair. Yeah. Well, Fair. What do we know? Nothing. Nothing. I do know. What I do know, though, is that we have a handful of former Cowboys playing for a trip to the Super Bowl this weekend. So that is exciting. That is pretty yeah. cool. Yeah. Got a. And they could they could face each other in in the game. Hey, we got the we got Justice Hill, Tylen Wallace, mm-hmm. Malcolm, Malcolm Rodriguez. Yeah. Coach Munkin, ah. saving the seat here for you in Stillwater. Love you know. that. Yeah. It's probably a couple that we're missing there, but yeah. I just can't think of any right now. <laughs> I could barely even think of the teams that are in there. Okay, you got Kansas City. I don't think we have any Oka State guys there. And then you have who's Casey facing? Oh, yeah, the Ravens. Ravens. We named the, th- the two guys there. Uh, Lions, Detroit, 49ers. You got 49ers. I think, uh, oh, yeah. Oh, uh, receiver. Martin? Yeah, Martin? yeah. Hey, Martin. Hey, Martin. Yeah. yeah. Nice. How about that? Yeah, three out of the four teams got some OK State wow. representation. And what fourth team doesn't have any? The Chiefs. Yeah. Yeah. So. Hey, you're such a hater. I am a hater. So you're I saying we should not be rooting for the Chiefs. Look, but, I'm rooting for Lamar anyway. He's my favorite person to watch in the NFL. So. And by rooting for Lamar, you're also rooting for Tylen Wallace and Justice Hill That's and uh, Todd Munkin. So. Need yeah. Tyler Wallace to get another punt return touchdown. Exciting. For the pokes. This weekend. Also this weekend, I don't want to end the show on a down note, but cannot go through the rest of the week and this weekend without acknowledging that this marks 23 years since that terrible plane crash that killed 10 members of the Cowboy family, basketball players, and staff. So this weekend in Oklahoma State tradition, we remember the 10. Eve, I know you like to say their names. So would you like to say their names? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, to be honest with you, um, I, I think I said it last time, but um, the remember the 10 run is something that I've never actually gotten to participate in. And there is, um, I know there, there's just such a special camaraderie that takes place every single time that you get an opportunity to actually, uh, you know, whether it's the remember the 10 run, whether it's, you know, the four, um, in the car accident or sorry, in the, in the plane crash back in 2011. Um, I think one of the biggest things about Oklahoma state is that everybody just kind of comes together. Everybody is galvanized and we, uh, you know, we remember the 10 people. You got Kendall Durfee, you have uh, Bajoran Faustrum, you have Nathan Fleming, William Hancock, Daniel P. Lawson, you have Brian Lewinstra, Denver Mills, Pat Noyes, William Tietgens, and Jared Weiberg, who is uh, brother of Chad Weiberg, our athletic director. So 
um, always, always special whenever we get to do this. And of course, acknowledge uh, those 10 souls that were lost during that, um, that, that terrible plane crash. Well, I hate ending on, on something sad. Something sad. Well, I do remember um, maybe just more than the other nine because Bill Teagans was on uh, TV all the time whenever I was growing up. And you know, I'd be talking about Oklahoma State. And I was like, man, that's a cool guy to be able to represent OSU. So shout out to Bill Teagans. Um, but yeah, we need to get up there, Eve. Hit me up. We'll do this. Remember the 10. Of course, it's no a, train. 5K? Be 5 or a 10. 5 or a 10. Oh, cake. I could do a, Yeah, I, I run a 10K every week. So we get 10,000 miles? So, Eve, you run a, a 10K every week or you accumulate a 10K every week? No, I run about 40 miles a week. So I do a 10K on Thursdays. 10K on Thursdays? What? Yeah. On, outside or on a treadmill? Outside. Sounds terrible. How long does it take you? 10K? Eh, it's like just over an hour. Yeah. So we're about to kick that up. We're about to kick that up here and get to 10 miles on Thursdays. It's I'm sorry, what? How do you have time to run 10 miles on a Thursday? Wake up early. Oh, God, I know, but then it's like dark. No, that's the best time to run. Yeah. When I trained for the marathon years ago, I was like waking up at 6 a.m. to run. What marathon did you run? New York. Oh, nice. Yeah. Um, yeah. About to, I'm running a marathon this year. So Which one? Running. Don't know yet. There's a couple to choose from here in uh, in Dallas specifically. Yeah. So, um, yeah. My pastor and I are, are running it together. That's fun. I, fun. I, this is going to be weird. I genuinely enjoyed running the New York Marathon. It was just an awesome experience and just like, an amazing accomplishment. Yes, I am going to say that about myself because, like, that's a long yeah, way to run. And it's like, damn, I trained, I trained for four or five months, and I like worked so hard. I hit my like, I had like my my top tier time, my middle time, and my. Um, I think I've told this before on this, but anyway, you all can hear it again. My like bottom line: do not get slower than this, and I hit that. So I finished in four and a half hours. Um, and Sorry. I'm really proud of myself, but, and I want to do another one. I really, really want to do Boston. Cause like Boston marathon is just like ugh, the best You have to qualify for that one. Right. You have to qualify, which I will never do because you got to run like a sub eight mile minute mile. And I'm like, I no, absolutely not. That's just so fast. Like you can run a sub eight mile for 26. Uh, I can run a sub eight mile once. Oh, you I have to run that for the entire thing. The, the women's, yeah. the oh women's, yeah, no chance. Yeah, yeah, like the yeah women's ain't no qualifying way. time for the Boston Marathon is like three twenty or three fifteen. Yeah, that's a that's od. Yeah, I'm not sustaining that. Um, I know my limits, Ooh. but you can run for charity and you can raise money, but you have to raise like five or eight thousand um, dollars, which is a lot, a lot of money to yeah. raise. Um, I had to raise three for the New York Marathon because I ran for the V Foundation. Um, so I got in and I, I got my like fees and stuff waves and I, I raised the money, but I had like eight months to do that. Um, but the training, the training part sucked, the having to run like, so I'm the only person out of us three that has not run a marathon that is in the channel right now. I and guess Justin, so. you did you, how, how much training did you do for yours, Justin? You didn't do any training. <laughs> no train. Cold Turkey. Um, God. It was kind of like a 
a thing in uh, at our high school. It was kind of like the the bragging rights of doing a no train marathon. What? And um, I, I yeah, I could I took. But you advice. didn't do it in high school. No, I did it uh, in 2012 after well, football. When we were roommates. But I mean, with yeah, with some high school guys. How long did and, it take? Uh, five and a half hours. It was miserable. Um, I had a, a bit of a runner's high around mile six. And then at mile eight, I understood. Two mile why, runner's high. <laughs> I, I, I saw, I understood that that's why Eminem um, stopped at eight mile. Wow. And then 11 was a little bit back up, you know, and then, you know, you're turning, you're turning back to go, you know, back downtown. This is OKC marathon. And you realize just how far you've run and you're like, well, this stinks. Cause I got to go all the way back. And, um, yeah, around like mile 15 really crashed. I was like, this is, I'm about to hop on the back of this passing ambulance because I can't run anymore. <laughs> and it got worse from there like mile 21 was the absolute worst um, yes i just remember thinking why is my sweat just solid salt and why yeah my my feet were just That's where most people shredded quit, right? 21 22 Probably. yeah and then a after that you kind of like after you get past that little bit there's a that there's a hard wall you push through that and it's like okay it's only five more miles it's only four more miles it's only three more miles you can do it yeah and uh yeah the after effects though i mean sunburn blisters bruised ankles couldn't walk couldn't go to class it was it was bad you should train <laughs> i learned that you should train if you want to run a marathon so yeah. justin and i were roommates during this time and whenever he came back from running that marathon we just gave him every pass when it came to like doing chore, doing chores around the house. And, you know, when it was his turn to do the dishes, he was like, bro, I ran a marathon. You're like, ah, you're right. Like, you know, go ahead and take a seat. But the problem was Justin took full advantage of that. And yeah. he tried to milk that the entire <laughs> semester. We're like, all right, yo, yo. That I mean, it happened like eight months ago. Come on, bro. It that? happened, you know, in April. So I thought that I could stretch it at least to the end of the year. Yeah. <laughs> So. Like I think I have my my medal like hanging up over with all my credentials, but it's like yeah. under all of my all of my credentials. But no, Justin, yeah, around uh, mile twenty, I hit my wall. The nice thing about New York is that you start in um, on Staten Island and you finish in Central Park, so you don't have to go out and back. It's just you go through all five boroughs, which is really cool. Mm -hmm. And um, nice. Around mile 20, I was like, oh, my God, I have six miles left, which is about an hour left of running. Oh, my God, this is miserable. And then um, one of, like, my songs came on because there's, like, DJs and stuff on the yeah. street. I was like, oh, my God, this is giving me life. But then it was mile 21 or 22. It's just, like, a slight uphill the entire mile. I think it's, like, wow. Parker Fifth Avenue. And it's just a slight uphill the entire mile. And I literally oh, almost started crying because I'm like, yeah. I have four miles left and I, this is yeah. awful. And man. then you get to Central Park and then mile 25, I saw my dad. I was like, I'm going to do this guys. I can do it. A very emotional moment, isn't it? It is. Cause you're, I mean, you're running for so long, so yeah. long, but the marathon itself was super fun. You just got to write your name on yourself. Like you want to write your name like on your arm or like a shirt and then people will be like Eve Eve and they'll like cheer for you and yell out nobody you. will know how to say my name yeah. 
I'll be like, oh, Yves. Yves. You, 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 sir. And I'm going to have my headphones in. I'm not going to listen to any of them. Yeah. Yeah. During the Boston Marathon in college, they shut down Boston. So we would just go outside and day drink and like cheer on the runners and be like, Dan, you're the best, Dan. (laughs) I'm like, I don't know you. And I'm just like, woo, my soul. The best Dan that ever did it. Yeah. I don't know, Eve. Um, I will say, like training with music is good. And then on the race day, I don't necessarily think that you would want to have your phone with you the whole time. Not even and if especially, I do like an armband, like put it on my, uh, do an just, armband. even if you do an armband or I think I had one of the fanny pack ones and it's just, it gets in your way, man. Like after a while, you're just like, why did I do this? Like just be free. See, Enjoy love- the nature of that. You know, no. that, that's, mm-hmm. It's not yo, I'm not gonna lie. Music, yo, I listen to the right song. It it gets me yeah. like, yo, when, when the right song comes on, I'm shaving off time <laughs> off of my off of my run every time. Like That's I fair. I got a lot of Nipsey hustle and a lot of Ace Hood that just picks my pace back up. It's the weirdest yeah. thing. And if I'm listening to a podcast while I'm running, you can tell there's a significant difference. Like I run much slower when I'm listening to a podcast, yeah. but when Nipsey comes on, I'm shaving time off. So yeah, we gonna we gonna find something. Every now and then, I'll be out there running and like some worship Where? music come on, and I will straight up just like be bawling my eyes out for like two miles in a row. Uh, when the right worship song comes on, I'm just like, I love you, Lord. Salt so, tears, like, I'm telling yeah, you, man. it evaporates oh, quickly. A lot of emotions. Do wired headphones because more than likely, if you have AirPods or Bluetooth, they're gonna run out of battery before the time you're done. Oh, yeah, four hours. Yeah, good advice here. I'm just saying. We can we can give you more tips, Eve, when you pick one out and you get. Closer. Yeah, I want to do over the ear headphones. Train, but... don't do those. Um, train, really? don't do the over the ear because then you can't. They're like noise canceling. You want to be able to hear your surroundings so you can hear people around you. Yeah. yeah. You know, I mean, people are going to be around you anyway. But um, but yeah, yeah, the training when you get down to like the 18, like there was three weeks. It was 16, 18, 20 back to 18. So it's four weeks miles. So I was just like waking up on Sunday morning after working till midnight and just running for three and a half hours. Man, I can't wait. But for me, motivation was like, you've been through it at Oklahoma state. You've been through the coach glass workouts. This is nothing. You can do it. Imagine quitting. What would coach glass think of me? And you just keep pushing on, you know? And you can't say you ran a marathon if you stop and walk part of it. So that was what my friend told me before I ran. I ran. Wait, wait, say that one more time. It said That's what? Fair. You can't say you ran a marathon if you stop and walk part of it. So did you run the whole thing? I did. You never yeah. stopped? No. Man. Even, you. even if your run is, it seems as slow as a walk at times, it will, especially yeah. if you're on an incline. Yeah. You're still running in your mind. Yeah. So, oh, yeah. I've had, I've had those moments, like plenty of those moments. The furthest I've ever run at one time is 10 miles. So I've never even gone past 10 miles before. I got to do 26 of them bad boys. You can do it. I believe in you. <laughs> well, well every running coach will tell you that if you can run 10 miles, you can run a marathon for whatever reason. Yeah. I don't, I don't know how, yeah, how, how they figure that out, but <laughs> they do. Well, I like, I like where this podcast went guys. I like the direction that we went. And anyway. guys, <laughs> I'm going to bring it back to Oklahoma state because I'm going to say that we can all join in on Eve's training and run the remember the 10 run together in April. I love it. So hold on. Remember the 10 run. What's the exact date? Do we have that yet or no? It's usually in April. Because if we have, 
okay, 2024 event information. April 20th. So it's on 420. I think we can remember that. Yeah. Yo, are y'all down to go to run the Remember Zen run? Let's do it. South, you down? I'll have to check my calendar. Check it right now. Stop. Don't put me on the spot. I am- Yo, I have nothing planned for April 20th. Yo, I'm glad we're doing this. Hey, we're three months three months in advance. Start training. This is going to be great, guys. That's the part. I don't want to train. So. You got you got a 5K and a 10K run at 8.15 in the morning. Oh, that's that's okay. Ooh, I might have to go to the New York Yankees game on April 20th <laughs> because they're playing the Rays and they're doing the Garrett Cole. What's more important, night. the Yankees or remember? Dude, Garrett, Garrett Cole bobblehead night. I got to go to that. What's more important? Well, Justin, you can you can remember the ten, or you can go to the Yankees game. That's on you. Whatever. Um, Ooh, I Oklahoma you State baseball at Kansas State that same day, and I might be in Manhattan one way or another. Bro, shut up! If we're going <laughs> to the remember the ten run, the run is early. So, what time is first pitch? Because you could knock that run out at eight fifteen, and then hit the road at by you know nine thirty. If you run, Yo, that's going to come up with every excuse, Megan. Just so you know. Like I ran a I, marathon. I, I don't, don't know have what's to happened to Justin, again. man. He's turned no, into the excuse guy. Justin, I also ran a marathon, but I'm doing it because that's what we do for each other. Justin's just afraid he's gonna lose. You're just afraid that you're gonna lose to the both of us. But I'm it's gonna a, start a, You can run a five K or a ten K. Like you're good. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm gonna get get my Peloton. Clip this. Clip this and put this on social media. Let's make sure that we put the pressure on Justin <laughs> to run this. Hey, that's true though, because the only reason I decided to do it was I was on Twitter and I said, Hey, I'll run a marathon if this Peer gets pressure. 100, 100 likes, 100 retweets, something like that. And pff, it blew up. So Peer pressure yeah, I had to do it. If you want to see Eve, Justin, and I running the Remember the 10 10K, like this episode. Or if we post this on social media, like this clip and uh, share with everybody. Yeah. So. Well, we'll start. We'll stop talking about our <laughs> marathon and run training. So, thank you for enjoying this tangent with us. We didn't have to end on a low. But if you also want to run, do you remember the ten run with us? Put it in the comments, and we can like yes. do a running team, get some matching shirts or something. Big shirt girl, big shirt girl. And I love yeah. matching. Yeah, Justin, we can we can wear our baseball jerseys and like run mm-hmm. right to Oprah. Oh, that's in Manhattan, Kansas. Not the point, but we can still all look good doing this. That's I'm all about. If you look good, you feel good, you know? That's right. Well, guys, thanks for listening to another episode of the Believe in OK State podcast presented by Bet Online. Like, share, subscribe, comment that you're going to join us on April 20th. And, of course, go Pokes. Go Pokes. Go Pokes. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. 
And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.